This is the Home Health Revealed podcast. Hear stories from real industry leaders discussing topics affecting the ever-changing industries of home health, hospice, and palliative care. Welcome to Home Health Revealed podcast. I am your host, Mike Greenlee, and like always, I have the Hannah Bell. Hannah, how are you? Hey, I am great. How are you? Well, good. We just got back from uh, Knack or Knock. Knack. Is it Knack or Knock? My northern self loves Knack. Yeah, we'll call it Knock. National Association for Home Care. Yeah, we got to go to the White House. That was pretty cool. That was awesome. Then we went to the Capitol. That was pretty cool. That was insane. And then we got to watch the uh, speaker vote. That was kind of cool. It, yeah, it was very telling. I feel like you can learn more about um, history just by being, I think traveling is one of the best things you can do to actually learn because you're there. Like feeling the weight of that history was really cool for me. Didn't you think so? Like think looking at all the portraits and seeing the furniture and everything in the White House. We were in the East Wing, walked through like the Red Room, the Green Room. That is some ugly furniture though. It really is ugly for me. My, bar- my Barbie house growing up would have loved it. I think they need to upgrade. Now, the coolest thing was seeing the unknown soldier. And I didn't get to do that with you that this time I went home, but I have seen it before. But yeah. tell me about it. Well, it was just really cool. I mean, it's like these guys are always protecting, um, you know, this tomb of all the unknown soldiers. And then we got to watch the, uh, where they trade out. Uh, there's something for, what, what's it called? Uh, the passing of the guard or changing of the yeah, guard. Yeah, changing of the guard is better than what I just said. Um, but that was super cool. Uh, and then, of course, when you're waiting for that to happen, you start Googling all the stuff. And you know, here, here's what I found out. This is fascinating. That the guys that do this, only 10% of the military is chosen. And then their commitment, it's a, I think it's a two-year commitment, but for a lifetime, they promise not to cuss or drink ever again. Not to cuss or drink ever not again? Not to cuss or drink. Could you do that? No amount. Man, I, I didn't realize that. But that's, I mean, it's just like sanctifying yourself, right? Higher level of commitment, standard setting. Yep. yep. Hmm. I, it's pretty I cool. admire that. It's pretty cool. And you got to take it's quite a walk to get there, uh, about 15, 20 minute walk. Um, but it is totally worth it. And I would tell anybody, if you're going to Washington, you got to go there. It, that was fantastic. So sobering, but also very honoring at the same time. And I was, I was pretty impressed. Well, we have an awesome guest today. And I cannot wait to introduce her. And we were just chatting before we got on this podcast. And so crazy to me that she was actually in Washington, D.C. the same time we were. Like, what are the odds? Because neither one of us live there. Uh, Jody is here with us. And Jody, I want to give you the chance to introduce yourself because I think you just have an incredible story and I would not do it justice. So welcome, Jody Norgard. Well, thank you for having me, Michael and Hannah. Nice to see you. Yeah, I was at the White House, too, uh, in the East Wing, different events. What a coincidence. That is just crazy. I know. Same day. What time were you there? Uh, Our events started at three. Were you before? Yeah, we had the 8 a.m. tour. We met uh, with Eric Burleson's office uh, from Missouri. He's our representative his office i tell you they were so hospitable they met us several times throughout the day walked us around i I was super impressed i still don't know how you get cocaine into the white house because you can't even get past the first gate and there's a drug dog all over you (laughs) honestly i mean what three three checkpoints yeah three checkpoints Checkpoints. dogs everywhere i'm still leery about that whole situation but uh, and who would bring cocaine to the white house Right. I know. You guys go in the White House? Yes. Did you get the cocaine? Yes. All right. Check. Let's go. (laughs) Right. 
No, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's not happening. But I, here's here's something that I, I love to connect with this podcast. And I love how things just kind of organically come together. We were in a place, we got to witness the Speaker of the House vote that happened on that Wednesday. Didn't go through, but just the whole process, watching it, being there, um, was a really powerful experience. But catalyst for change, that is, that's kind of our chosen topic with you, Jody, today. And so... I just think, you know, being in a place where so much change throughout history has come to pass, has been created, has been fought for, and then having this conversation um, is not coincidental. So um, will you start, though, by telling our listeners a little bit about your background and how you became an expert in creating change? Yeah, I never set out on that path. It was kind of, it just happened. It just totally happened. I never thought... You know, I was going to be a change maker by any means. Uh, but it, it happened in 2006. My daughter, who was nine at the time, she and I were in a toy store because um, she needed a wrap gift for a birthday party. She was, a t- uh, you know, going to in 30 minutes, right? One of those panicky parent moments. <laughs> yep. So, she, yeah, so she was in her soccer uniform and she looked like a normal kid on a Saturday afternoon when we came in this toy store and frantically going up and down the aisles when a line of dolls just stopped me in my tracks. They had short skirts, crop top, belly button rings, big hair, lots of makeup. And I look at my daughter, I look at these dolls, and I pick up one of the dolls, and the name on the hang tag is the lovely Lola. So at that point, I knew there wasn't one parent out there that wanted their daughter to look, act, or be called lovely Lola. So I decided to do something about it. And I bought the doll (laughs) while I was like having a a meltdown in the the toy aisle, you know, the toy store. And I'm like, you know, yelling at these young kids saying, look at this. You should not be marketing sex to girls. They're like, lady, we're 16. I'm like, whatever. And so uh, I bought the doll as my daughter was running out the door saying, mom, really? Is that the doll for Maddie? And I'm like, no, I'm showing it. I'm buying it to show dad. I need to show dad, which really confused her. So I did. I brought the doll home to my husband and I said, listen, I am so sick and tired of the negative images that are marketed to girls. I think I can do something about it. I think I can create a positive image product that encourages girls to be healthy physically, mentally and emotionally through sports and physical activity. I was always into sports. My kids, my husbands, I I have never been great at anything, but I've been pretty good at everything. And it's been really good entertainment. And we've done things as families. And I also saw, you know, the benefits of it. Yeah. So, yeah. So it took two years from rough draft to the actual debut of the first doll, which was Tennis Girl, uh, Gracie at the U.S. Open in 2008 and 500 sold out in six days. So, you know, that was a pretty good test and a really good. um, Do you you still have the doll or did you return it? Lovely, lovely Lola. Oh, you're going to show <laughs> She's us. She's got it right oh. here. I oh, have man. it in my desk. Are you kidding me? Oh, I let's see it. it. Oh, holy Wait, cow. I need a screenshot of lovely Lola. There, there she Oh, she's not looking so lovely. She's had a rough night. Oh, it looks like she has tights on. She have tights on? You or, know. Or that's just the uh, color yeah, of her I don't skin. know. Yeah, they, yeah, tights and yeah. Heels. Yeah, and lovely this Lola. This is the lovely Lola. And there was like Sizzle and Sue and cute candy and all her friends. And I'm like, yeah, this isn't good. So um, anyway, but when I, my next goal was to launch the line of nine dolls at Toy Fair, uh, which is the biggest fair throughout the world. People come in to see what's the next best thing. And I'm like, oh, it's me. You know, it's totally me. I've got the next best thing. 
Well, not so much. I had so many buyers come to my booth saying, you know, you have a great product, but it'll never sell. My daughter loves soccer. She plays soccer every day. And I said, well, why not? Why won't it sell? And they'd say, ultimately, girls like fashion. Can you create a fashion doll? And I said, that's my point. As a mother of a daughter and as a woman, I am positive girls like more than fashion. So I started to realize how we pigeonhole kids at this certain age between the five, six, seven, eight year old. We start to pigeonhole them. Uh, but it, it was like I, you know, I, I went through life pretty much in this like dimly lit room. And mm -hmm. once I started to open my eyes and understand and see what was really going on, I began to see my way more clearly. And I now I feel like I'm handing out flashlights. So, yeah. So let's talk a little about that. When you're talking about creating change um, and what that means to you and, and why, why do you think that's important in today's world? Well, I, you know, I've, I've realized, you know, first of all, I, I've, I'm not that type of person that feels that I am right about anything and everything, right? It's, I'm not, like, I don't dig my heels in. I don't, I'm very open-minded. I like to listen to other people's views. Um, I know I'm not the, you know, the smartest person in the room, uh, but I also know when it comes to equality, this particular issue, I know I'm 100% right. Warren Buffett once said, look at what our country has accomplished using half its talent and imagine what we could accomplish if we pulled women off the sidelines. So I, why, why, why creating change is, is important? Because the, the, the old saying, because it's always been done that way, doesn't really sit well with me. Sure. Um, but why not try to improve upon something? And it, it doesn't take just one person that can do it. it. It takes a team. It takes listening. It takes collaboration. I, I am definitely like, you know, I, I, I'm, I hate anything to do with numbers. I mean, I am, I just dread it. Right. So the first thing I did is hire somebody to do, you know, that part of the work for me to make sure I had my numbers correct. Um, and it just takes, you know, and I'm not the best designer. I knew nothing about the toy industry. So I hired a designer to help me. I had good ideas, but I needed somebody who was better than me to help me, um, with my vision. I, I love how that kind of relates to what we do, Michael. And, you know, we work with home health hospice and palliative care agency owners. Most of these people are in this business for the right reason. Their hearts are in it just like yours were. And when they reach out and work with people who help with that business aspect, who help with maybe that operational aspect or whatever, um, they can go so much further, so much faster. And that's really what you did. I mean, you, you took this spark of an idea and you ran with it, but you grabbed people and brought them along. You even had a set of books written that went along with the dolls, which I, I just thought that was so cool. I'm a reader. I love kids' books, all that. When I read that, I was like, yes. Did you write those books yourself? I didn't. I, I worked with an author uh, in Minneapolis and she wrote the books. And then I, you know, I had to, you know, figure out how, you know, how do you write a book? You need editors, you need an illustrator. Uh, you just, it's just, it's, it's, it, it, I, I view it as, you know, a puzzle, right? There's always pieces missing and you need to find that right piece. Um, I also think that with creating change, you really have to be determined. Um, you have to be persistent. 
Um, and it has to be fueled by passion. Your ability to push people towards ideas and change. You've become a really sought after speaker and you've been able to be involved in several different organizations. Talk to me a little bit about that and like what that success looked like once you got through some of that initial push. Vulnerability. I, I, I've never gone into uh, a speaking event. Um, it's about me. It's more about my my message, right? There, there was one time I was speaking to about two thousand people. They didn't tell me I was going to be on two two jumbotrons, and it was I couldn't see the crowd because the lights were so bright, right? And I was so nervous, and I, you know, before I got on, and I, I, I thought to myself, you know what? the message is so much more important than my stupid nerves, you know, like get over yourself. Right. So, um, I, 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 I do think that the honesty that I bring and the, the vulnerability, um, again, it's, it's not about like me, it's about helping people find that courage and that strength to move forward with an idea, uh, to know that it's not easy I mean, it is definitely not easy. There were so many times that I just wanted to, you know, throw in the towel. And, you know, I had so many heart to hearts with my husband. And he's like, you know, maybe, you know, our culture just isn't ready for your product. And you're really not making a whole lot of money. And we have three small kids. And, you know, it, it was just, you know, it was very hard, you know, a lot of thinking, a lot of self-reflecting and like, why, why won't this happen? And just being very persistent. And it's, it's never, it's, it's that mountain, right? That, so it's climbing a 14er and there are so many false peaks, Yep. Yeah. right? You think you're at the top. I mean, and it's just like, dang, I've got way more to go. I'm focused on, let's look at the root of the problem. And that's in toys and media. And that's what I'm working with with the Gender Policy Council at the White House um, is focusing on that, you know, from birth to five. I know you and I talked a little bit about grit and like what it takes to push through a level of resistance that's super uncomfortable. How do you handle resistance from individuals or from groups when you're trying to implement change or even just trying to stay the course of your mission? Very difficult. Um, you know, I've heard, you know, a lot of times, you know, I'm, you know, too sensitive or, you know, I'm too emotional or I'm too bossy or I am too something or other. Uh, and staying on track with my mission. The one thing that has really helped me is what I like to call is my pack, right? My, the people who have supported me. Um, and when things get difficult and I, 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 I get challenged a lot and sometimes it's hard, right? Sometimes it's hard. And I go back to my, you know, my, my group, my people and just, you know, like this happened to me today. I need to talk to you. Having the platform that you've had, you've been on the today show. You've been in Forbes magazine. You've been in parents magazine. You've been, what am I missing, Jody? You've been in the Chicago Tribune. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What else? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was part of Gretchen Carlson's female power panel. So tell me a little bit about from a, from a leadership perspective uh, on how leaders can inspire uh, and even motivate others to get behind this change initiative. Well, again, I'm going to go with um, honesty, vulnerability, openness, 
kindness, ask questions, listening. Listening is huge. Um, I I listened a ton uh, because I knew people had better ideas than me. I think as a leader or even as an entrepreneur, and I've worked with entrepreneurs before, um, you know, helping them get started. And a lot of times people aren't open to changing their idea. To me, that doesn't make sense because it's not just I have one idea. This is how it's going to work. Everybody get behind me and we're moving forward. It's like, no, we're ebbing, flowing together through this. And I'm, you know, we're going to grab people as we go along. And how are we going to make this better to get to the place that we want to get to? You know, a lot lot of people um, are told they can't do things, right? Um, I remember when I was in high school, my guidance counselor told me I was too kind too nice, too sensitive to go into business and into co- to college, and that I was better suited as someone's assistant or as a secretary. Your, <laughs> your like, counselor said that? Yes. Holy cow. I know. And yeah. I, I just because I wanted to go into business and I love psychology and I love business and, you know, and, and she's like, no, you're just too kind. You'll just get eaten up and, you know, you won't succeed. And I, I, I mean, that was that. I mean, those are things that are hard to hear when people say you can't do things mm-hmm. instead of, yeah, you can do it. I mean, you have to be realistic, like. You know, okay, can I be a pro golfer? No, I can't. I, I stink, but I have a 17 handicap. So no, I'm, I'm not going to be a pro golfer. But, you know, can I do more than just... But if somebody is telling you when you want to rise that you can't rise, mm-hmm. that's holding people back. And that's that's not okay. So right. Jody, how do you talk with people that are discouraged during, you know... This stuff because you, you even mentioned you've been discouraged and i think one of the most brilliant things you've said you've said a lot but your group you have a uh, the best thing that's ever happened to me i've been fired five times uh never took the act cheated on my exam to get into a community college right so i, I got i got the resume. telling on yourself you know what I mean? and when i've been fired five times my- i love your honesty and your vulnerability, Michael. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, my girls, uh, they would, you know, they'd go to school and wife go to work and they'd be like, Dad, you're kind of a loser. I was like, hey, kids, <laughs> hey, easy up here. You know what I mean? But, um, you know, I, I say all that to say that, you know, through a lot of your failures, but but when I was going through that time, I got some of the best advice from a guy that I never would have thought I got advice from. He was actually my daughter's basketball coach. His name was Rob Yanders, super great guy, just passed away not too long ago. But he, he told me something, he's like, Michael, you have a handful of friends. Everybody else is in a quake. And when you're going through something hard, go to your handful of friends because those are the always ones that are going to be there for you. And I was like, man, he's so right. Because you do, you do, you're hard on yourself. Um, but it's wisdom to have a, a good handful of friends and realize you probably only have a good handful of friends and everyone else is just an acquaintance. Important to have, you know, that that group, that squad, that pack, you know, um, you know, your own personal board, uh, that, um, you can go to, um, when you're going through that hard time, because, you know, what struck me also, Michael, is that we never know what other people are going through, Mm -hmm. right. And what they have gone through in life. 
So it's it's good to be sympathetic to that as well, right? We 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 have hardships. Everybody does. Nothing comes easily, uh, for the most part, and um, it's it's good to understand. So how do you uplift them during those times where they feel like, man, I'm just I'm not getting anywhere. No one's listening to me, or whatever the case may be. I always like listening to podcasts. I always like reading books. Um, I always like, uh, you know, Adam Grant is one of my favorites. Um, I like listening to TED Talks, you know, things that can help um, me refocus. Uh, If things aren't working, again, going back to that puzzle piece, then maybe it's time to change course, right? Because we all have roadblocks and whether those roadblocks are because that's not the right path to take or somebody puts them there, we have to view them as detours and not um, that's, you know, that's it, right? Sure. We, what, what's the next path that we have to take to get to where we're going? So if it's not working, maybe we need to find that new path or open that new door or new opportunity or talk to that new person to help get to that uh, that next place, because it's, as we know, it's never a straight line and a fast track to get to where you want to go. Right. Right. If, if you're creating change, right. it, it, it is like a Dr. Seuss road and you are going up and down and windy and curly. And it is, it's crazy. It's not easy. It's interesting, but it's always figuring out what is that next thing. And that does remind me too. And, and maybe you both have done this. Um, but I ask a lot of questions. I ask a ton of questions because how am I supposed to know everything? So um, I'll, I'll just ask people, you know, I'll email certain people. People are so kind to respond. Um, some people don't and that's okay. Uh, but just asking questions, can you help me? And you'll be surprised who is willing. Yeah. Well, Jody, we love what you're doing. Um and um, we really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're super busy to, to hang out with us on the podcast and share your vision and, and where you're motivated and your goals and what you want to have happen. And, and I'm super pumped for you. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm super excited for all of you, too. Um, you know, creating change is never easy. Uh, you just have to take your best idea, step over fear, find your courage, find your passion, and then persist. Yeah. Yeah, when well, things get difficult. I'll be coming up to Chicago every month. So when I come up next time, me, you, and Michelle are going to play golf. 